Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Good afternoon everybody, my name's Kevin Graham and welcome to the Friday afternoon Axon Bulletin. As you can see it's a bit like celebrity squares today, there's four of us in the room. Uh, so we've got Laura who you already heard there who, should, who, was meant to be giving us the, who was meant to be giving us the countdown about going live but uh, we are now live. We've got Anthony Haggerty, the man who was commentating on Hamilton Aki's TV last week uh, on their super derby winning uh, the Lanark Share Derby, and we've got the housewife's favourite, Jim <laughs> mm. How's everybody doing today? Okay. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Good to be here. Right, I've got a question to ask you all. I've got a question to ask you all. What were you doing five years ago today? Uh, I was probably not doing much different to what I do in a global pandemic. I was probably holed up in my house. <laughs> Anybody else? 2016. No idea, kid. No idea. Two, two, 2000, 2015. So it would be six years ago today. Sorry, six years. Right, okay. No idea. No, no, idea. no idea, kid. No idea. I know where I was. I was at Celtic Park to watch Celtic against Inter Milan in the Europa League. One of the most fantastic yeah. games I've seen the European nights at Celtic Park. Uh, John Guidetti. Now, for me, I've got a lot of regret about John Guidetti. I reckon he could have been yeah. up there with the other famous Swedes that have played for the club. Uh, and that was a great night. Uh, was anybody else there? Yeah. Okay. Were you reporting yeah. on that night? 
No, I think I was there as a punter with my dad and my nephew because they've got season tickets and I beside them now and again. Uh, but no, I agree. I thought it was a it was a brilliant game, absolutely brilliant. And like you, I I was disappointed when John Gadetti left because I thought there was a player there and we could have moulded him into a, a, a legendary striker, as you said. And it was just a shame circumstances, you know, made him leave the club. But I, I was I had high hopes for Gadetti. I really did. He was a decent player. Until so that was Ronnie Dyla's. Oh, that was that was Ronnie Dyla's name, wasn't it? It was Ronnie. It was Ronnie Dyla's good night. We were a flawed Ronnie Dyla side, but as I've always says on this podcast, I reckon Dyla was the right direction, maybe not the right man uh, to, to take us forward. I've been quite positive the last 24 hours and it was nothing to do with the Aberdeen game because the Aberdeen game was woeful especially the last 65 minutes of the Aberdeen game was woeful but yesterday uh, the Celtic Trust met with the club and the, the minutes of the meeting they came online and I took a quite a bit of a heart from what was said about the direction the club was going um, I'll, I'll read a bit from the minutes that are, all, that are already out there so the, the the trust basically says there are opportunities for the club to have a look at how we operate post Peter Wall. Do we need to call post Peter like like PL or something like that? Post <laughs> post P P P. like A A A D and B C. Do we need to actually go, <laughs> do, do we need to go down that route? <laughs> uh, so it continues. Consideration has been given to this for the last few years. So for me, that makes it look like that they always knew that this season was going to be a cliff edge. After this season, there was going to need to be the, the need for change. They've taken into account what has happened over the last few months and noted in particular that when things are not going well, there's heightened scrutiny in terms of recruitment. Uh, they indicated that they have some ideas and recommendations on how the club moves forward and th- but as a club they are optimistic about the fundamentals of our club and in their view and in their view Celtic are a modern progressive football club regarded as such by football in Scotland and Europe when the, the trust asked for a timeline for the outcome of these deliberations and, and they were indicated that we're working towards expected changes towards European competition, focusing on making sure Celtic is relevant and has access and participates in whatever comes along. These changes are expected to happen uh, in 2024. Now, the positivity I've got for them is Celtic are looking at Europe. Celtic are looking of being relevant in Europe. And that's something I've always said. If you if you aim for Europe, then things will go right for you domestically, because you're aiming higher, and domestic, the domestic uh, duties will take care of themselves. We mentioned Ronnie Dyla, Inter Milan, there fantastic night at Celtic Park. I reckon Ronnie Dyla was a good idea. I reckon Brendan Rodgers was a good idea. And for me, reading this, I reckon the club have now realised that going down that route is the only way to go. So I'm quite positive going forward that they're looking in the right places. But I'm also going to agree with, I do think the club have got the fundamentals correct. They've just got the wrong people implementing these fundamentals. What do you all think? I'll, I'll go to Laura first. I'll, I'll, ladies first. Yeah, well, um, uh, you've reminded me exactly where I was that night, uh, five or six years ago, whatever it was, I was stuck on the M8 in an accident I had a ticket to the game and didn't make it so I was working in Edinburgh at the time and, and, and couldn't get back through but yeah I actually watched some highlights of that game last night one of these things where it comes up on Twitter and uh, you you sign that kind of go back through the goals and stuff like that it, it, I think Ronnie Dyla with time and perspective like you say has been seen as the right way to go Possibly not the right man, possibly not enough experience in what he was doing to be at a club the size of Celtic. But certainly his ideas were correct and, and, and it, it 
he, he did more than the current regime for for things like bringing young players through. Uh, looking at the the minutes and and the the outcomes of I've, I've read through them, and I was I was pretty encouraged because I thought it had it had some of the stubbornness that we've seen from the the club this season about that they still believe that the values of the club are there and that you know that that, that we're world famous and all that and all, all the stuff that you know that they're telling themselves behind closed doors. But I think there was enough there to suggest that change is coming. I think Dominic Mackay is already having an influence, even if even if they're not going to say directly that he is. And I think that there's probably big changes to come and in a positive direction, more in line with you know what we've been crying out for. What about yourself, Tony? I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said on the pod before. Why why can't Celtic be a force in Europe? Why you know and dominate domestically as well? What, what's What's stopping them? You know, and uh, you say you've read out the minutes here, and I agree with Laura in the sense that I think there's change coming, and it gives you optim- optimism and hope and belief that there's change coming. You should, it should be a big name in Europe. You should be able to get to the latter stages of competition. I've, I've said that time and time again. It's no fun watching them uh, become cannon fodder for teams like Sparta Prague or losing to Ferran Sparrow's Cluj, teams like that, Ike, Ike Athens. Because they're better than those teams. I don't care what MD says, and they should be beating them. As for the Ronnie Dial experiment, yeah, right idea. Maybe the wrong guy, but you have to take the hat off to Celtic for the gamble that they took because he could have been the next Jose Mourinho. And that's what I think Celtic gambled on and thought they were, they were maybe getting. And, he, and Morris he did a lot of great things in terms of bringing new players in and stuff and brought a couple of decent players to the, to the club. You know, so I, I, the two years under Ronnie Dyler were quite great. You know, they, they won the league as they were expected to do. But yeah, again, European football wise, it didn't make much of an impact. And, I th- and even under Brendan Rodgers, we never made much of an impact in Europe, you know. So I, I think if change is going to come, then they have to see the bigger picture. Because the Celtic fans want to make their notes in Europe. It is what's made them famous. You know, the whole, I mean, the, the large part of the history of this club is based on winning the big thing with the big ears. You know, you can't deny that. It put us on the map. So, the nights like you've just mentioned, that night with John Gadetti against Inter Milan was one of those brilliant nights under Ronnie Dyla. Just a brilliant game of football. Yeah, we lost out over two legs, but, I mean, you still remember that game. That's what you want. You want nights like that back. And if they're going to bring in a structure that can guarantee those nights again, then, yeah, we're all for it. For me, the proof in the pudding with Ronnie Dyla was his team were the basis of the Invincible team. The team, the players that he brought in were the basis of the Invincible team. And I think you can look at that as a golden recruitment period for Celtic, that under Ronnie they got it right more times than what they didn't get it right. There was still some amount of rubbish went through Lennox Town, but the majority of the time they did get it right. Jim, what's your thoughts on that? I was a big fan of Ronnie. I think you mentioned the fundamentals there. I think that's what Ronnie tried to do, to get the fundamentals right. And I think uh, that's the type of guy we need, maybe under a director of football. Uh, I was reading some stuff the other week about Ralph Ranić, and what I've said before, I don't think we get somebody like Ralph Ranić. There's, there's tons of Ralph Ranić mini-me's kicking about German football. Uh, the number of people that have, that have been coaching uh, Ronnie that Ralph Ranić has, has coached or who worked under him, I'd love to see a, one of these German Ronnie Mini Mies come in and they're a good director of football. But Ronnie get most things right for me. And if, if he had a strong director of football, I think he might still be there. Because he got the, he got the fundamentals right. He just maybe wasn't the right man for the right job. But certainly somebody coming in under a director of football, I was a big fan of Ronnie. And I think he was maybe a wee bit harshly dealt with at the end of the day. I just think he was exposed. And he needed somebody there to to be that buffer between him and the board at the time. Uh, so he has a big fan of Ronnie. With regards to Ronnie, you mentioned a director of football. I don't know if a, direct, a director of football would have helped Ronnie. I just don't think he was a strong enough character in a dressing room that was full of winners. I mean, he came into the dressing room and basically told guys who have got a cupboard full of medals, basically, I don't like what you're doing. You're not fit enough. You're not fast enough. You're not playing the game the way you should be doing. And I reckon a lot of the professionals in that dressing room, or so-called professionals, took umbrage at that. When you look at... As I, don't soon think as, soon as, 
I don't think he was he was as hard as that, or as blunt as that. Blunt as that kind of guy. He's a very clever man. I don't think he's a kind of cluff. Cluff would have said that. That's the thing. Cluff would have done. I don't really dialogue would have done that. I think he's a guy who would t- try to uh, let people see the benefits of changing their thinking. Uh, I think he's a guy who would try to persuade people. Uh, I think he came across really, really well. And I think if he had a, a strong director of football who maybe played the game at a decent level, I think he'd be there to help him. I think that's why he brought in John Collins. He wanted people, he wanted the players to be dedicated to their craft. And if you hear John Collins speaking about football and his time in Monaco and stuff, it, you know, it, it's, it's like from another dimension. You know, a lot of people don't like John Collins, but when you actually hear him speaking about the fundamentals, he's very, very good. And he just wanted the players to accept that if you dedicate yourself to your craft, you can be bigger and better domestically and in Europe. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, is there? With, with those I two guys. I think they made with Collins. So, when you were joining. Sorry, no, go on. What were you saying, Jim? Well, no, I think the, I think the, the mistake they made with John Collins is, is John Collins was foisted upon Ronnie Dyer. And Ronnie Dyer should have chosen his own guy. I know yeah. they're more experienced uh, rather than John Collins. Yeah, but I, I still think they, they had he had a valuable input. Because he made players oh, yeah, think. Yeah. You know, I mean, he made yeah. things about the diet and their fitness and stuff like that, you know. So uh, as long as players are, are, are dedicated to, to that side of the game, then they can only get better. You know, regardless of what your personal feel. Because I know there's a lot of people don't particularly like John Collins. But I actually like his thoughts on football. That, that that's, one thing, that's one thing I don't really understand, though, is um, how can you be... A footballer in 2021 or, or 2015, even as it was at the time, and not know yourself about nutrition and, and fitness and stuff. Yes, yes, I'm sure there's, you know, expert dietitians and, and nutritionists and, and all that who can help guide you in how to do it properly. But I would have thought that a young guy in this day and age would would know off the off his own back that there are certain ways in which you need to look after yourself as a society we're, we're learning more about that every day so it, it does kind of baffle me when you get footballers nowadays who let's face it most of the reason that a lot of us are unfit is because we don't get paid to do it and we have other things that require our time that is their main focus and, and therefore I don't think that there's an excuse for fitness being an issue in these players yeah, but you look at the amount of footballers, the penny just doesn't drop, Laura. You know, mm. you can bang that drum into them all you want, but sometimes the penny just doesn't drop. That's why a lot of them fall by the wayside and don't make it, because they're not dedicated to their craft, because they don't do the things that you've just said. They don't work on their diet, they don't work on their fitness, you know, and they should, because they're getting paid handsomely for it. Well, at clubs like Celtic, they're getting paid handsomely for it. Oh, not every footballer is, but... These are fundamentals, as Jim says. You shouldn't have to be told. So many footballers don't make it. I think you hit the the, the nail on the head. It's the fundamentals. Celtics see themselves as a progressive modern football club, but you go back to Ronnie Dyler. John Collins was foisted upon him. Ronnie Dyler was interviewed as the assistant manager to start off with to be foisted upon Neil Lennon or Roy Keane. That doesn't work. That's not going to work. The only time that Celtic got the fundamentals spot on was with Brendan Rodgers, allowing him to bring in his own coaching staff, the people who had the same, the same vision. You look at you look at now what's actually vision. happened after yeah. vision. You look at it now after Brendan Rodgers left and Neil Lennon was there as an assistant manager. Neil Lennon arrived. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
John Kennedy and at that time Damien Duff were foisted upon Neil Lennon to carry on basically the work that Brendan Rodgers had done at Celtic. Neil Lennon's got a different mindset to what John Kennedy and Damien Duff have got and what the culture that they were brought up with, uh, with uh, Brendan Rodgers. Now, I speak about parallel universes <laughs> all the time. I reckon there's a parallel universe with John Kennedy if John Kennedy was a bigger man, John Kennedy would have said to Peter Wall at that time, let me take this team. Nothing's going to change if you let me take this side and I'll keep on going what Brendan built. And, Brent, and, and there's a parallel universe where John Kennedy is a successful manager of Celtic Football Club at this precise moment in time and we're further f- forward down the line then what, I reckon we've wasted 18 months. I reckon we've wasted two years. And the fundamentals that will bring in under Ronnie and... Brendan Rodgers have now completely disappeared. What do you think of that, Tony? I couldn't agree more. I also think it tells you everything you need to know about the Celtic hierarchy when they didn't trust John Kennedy to take the team. It's the first thing you should have said was, right, you, you learnt under the best. You know, Brendan Rodgers, Chris Lewis and John Kennedy. You know, so he must have learnt something. And the fact that he never took the team for any kind of period maybe shows you what Celtic actually thought of him. You know, you, you're right, you should have been first in the queue saying, out the road, I've got this. It ain't broke. You don't need to fix it. Here's what we do. But he hasn't. And every time you've seen John Kennedy in the dignity, he, he seems non-plussed and non-animated. You know, I can't understand for the life of me why he just kind of seems to be standing there passively. Maybe doing him a disservice and he might be a great coach or something. I can't see it. And we should have been able to see that because... You should say, surely the things you would have done under Brendan Rogers and Chris Davis is learn. Just open your ears and soak it all up like a sponge. And for that moment, when the time came, when you might have had to say, John, can you, can you do this? And you would have turned around and said, I've got this. But mm-hmm. sadly not, which is why so, uh, he has to go when a new regime comes in. You see... <laughs> Are you seeing Kevin? You want to, it's like John Kennedy would be there just to get us over the line and no more in that season. Well, if you were willing to give, if you look at football in general, sometimes when coaches leave, they go for an internal appointment if it's only at the end of the season as an address rehearsal. It's very obvious yeah, now. Surely, that when, surely the biggest problem we have, Kevin, sorry. Surely the biggest problem we have is that the manager at the moment hasn't got complete control over everything. So if it was John Kennedy, he'd be the exact same. He wouldn't have complete control. The reason that we're where we are just now is because the manager doesn't have complete control over everything and there's interference. And the story during the week, whether it's true or not, about the Ian Banker report, one of the things that he said was one of the strategies they had was to try and retain all the players. And I think we all thought at the time that was a really good idea. But according to something I've seen on Twitter from uh, Duco James, uh, he was saying that he's got good information that Neil Lennon wanted to get rid of some players. And he was the lone voice that the board wanted to keep the players. So basically he was overruled. So if that was the case, if it was the case, I've got a lot more sympathy from Neil Lennon. Maybe still a lot better off than where we are just now. But if you don't have full control over the team and you've been told to keep players then I think that's an issue as well. So whether it was John Kennedy or Neil Lennon, whoever the new person is, they have to have total control over the football. Because if, if he doesn't have that, then we're not going but Jim, just to just to counteract that point, I don't really have sympathy for Neil Lennon as far as that's concerned because he came into the job knowing that that was the that was the remit. You know, like he 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 took the job under the understanding that he wasn't able to pick his, his backroom staff, he wasn't able to pick who was going to be there. Um, Gavin Strachan was brought in very early on uh, in his second reign without without his, uh, if you believe what's being said, without his approval. So I, I don't feel an awful lot of sympathy that he's now uh, feeling he doesn't have the control he needs because he took the job on that pretense and also um, like you know we we forget as well that he was he was in the media 
like begging for the job, basically. So he was willing to take it under whatever circumstances. He got the job that he wanted when he came back in. I don't feel personally that he can then start complaining when they don't do what he wants, when that was the, the nature with which he took the job. What I meant, sorry, was the fact that uh, up until about October, November, as far as I was concerned, Neil Wren was 100% to blame where we were because he had the squad and he had the players brought in. So it was his fault. But once we got to October, November, Peter Law then had a decision, do you stick or twist? He decided to stick. And once he decided to stick, I didn't put a lot of blame on him. And if I had to split the blame for this season, I'd have said it's maybe 60% Neil Wren and 40% the board. But after, if that was true that Neil Lennon couldn't shift players he wanted to shift, I have a certain amount of sympathy. He took the job under those circumstances. Absolutely, totally get that. But I think we're very quick to blame him. I think there's some factors in there that said, you know what, if he could have shifted one or two of those players he wanted to shift, maybe it's going to pan out a bit differently. And I think the board have kept the players, and we all thought that was a good thing. And I remember Paul saying, this is like the best transfer window we have. We all thought that was a good thing. But if you were the manager... And you knew there was players who wanted to go that would been disruptive, and you were keen to let them go, and the board stopped you doing that. I think you have a lot, have to have a little bit of sympathy for that. I still blame Neil Lennon for, what's, for where we are just now. But I think the board had, had an even massive part to play if that was true. But in the recent history of the club, three managers have a total control: Steen, O'Neill, and Rogers. What's the common denominator there? Unprecedented amounts of success. Right, we've spoken about this before. Yep. Is there total control? Right? I mean, it, it beggars belief why Celtic still have interference with managers, football managers, leave the football men to do the, the thing that they know best, football. But I kind of get my head around that. And yep. I, yep. I agree with you, Jim. There is extenuating circumstances for, for Neil Lennon and, and the board. It, it's a joint fail, well, joint failure from the board to Lennon and the first team players. Right? Now, I'm going to say something about Neil Lennon here, and people might say, but I just happen to think now that Neil Lennon is an analogue manager in a digital world. That's the way I feel about it, right? I think he's big things, motivation, but that can only take you so far. And if you're going to use the technology at your disposal, then you have to have the best, as you say, in management, uh, assistant management team, so you pick your own people who can do these things for you. He said these guys foisted upon him and they're not the best. So that's why I say he's an actor. Marvin Bartley commented on it in midweek, saying that sometimes Neil Lennon put teams out and said, go and work it out for yourself. Now, you can see that from this season. Some have gone out there and said, no plan A, no plan B, what's happening? Right, so I... And I we all love the game, but we all admit no, no, I'm, I'm just laughing because what is a football manager if they're just going to say, out you go and sort it out for yourselves? That's insane. Well, Marvin Bartley played under him, and that's what he said. You know, he played under him. And so, and again, this, this season, you can. You can look at certain games and you can think, is that what happened? Is that what happened? Terence Varos. For the first one, Rangers, Aberdeen, you think to yourself, I mean, that, you, you have to ask those questions. Is it, that it, it must, it must be extremely difficult to motivate the players when there's no fans there. I think Lennon sometimes, I, I reckon we're a poor side this season because we've got no emotion. There's a lack of mo- an emotion there. There's a lack of atmosphere round about. And this, this, this week, Lennon spoke about, Neil Lennon spoke about mitigating circumstances. I reckon we've touched on quite a bit, quite a bit of the, the mitigate, the, 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 a bit of the mitigating circumstances there. Um, I mean, Tommy Johnson came out this week in another podcast and says that he was twice interviewed by Peter Law and Neil Lennon to come up and give Neil Lennon a hand. And Johnson actually says was I think I think Lennon wanted me and to help out with recruitment and to be someone around that he could speak to. 
No disrespect to Gavin Stratton, who has come in, John Kennedy and the rest of the guys, but as a manager, I think you need someone you can actually talk to on a personal basis as well. And Neil hasn't brought anybody into the club himself. Do you think that could be part of the mitigating circumstances that, that he's speaking about, Tony? Oh, that's what John was alluding to there, wasn't it? He wasn't allowed to bring in his own men. You know, you look at Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill trusted John Robertson and Steve Walford implicitly. Brendan Rodgers trusted Chris Davis implicitly. You know, every manager has a right-hand man that they can trust. You know, and if you're not bringing in the guy that you trust implicitly, then what's the point? You know, what, what, what is the point? It's a football management is a joint thing. It's always a manager and a right-hand man. You know, and if you're not allowed, if you've been stopped from bringing in, Jim touched upon it there, that interference that doesn't allow you to bring in somebody that you trust, doesn't matter if you don't like the person or think they're not a right fit. The football manager of the clubs thinks they're the right fit. So you go with their judgment. No, no, no a lot of people would have heard of Chris Davis. But Brendan Rodgers likes him. You know, no one a lot of people might not have known what Steve Walton talked about Martin O'Neill trusted him. I, I, I find it quite weird, and if, if this rumour is actually true, then Celtic did actually ask Chris Davis to stay when it, when Rogers says he was going to uh, that he was going to Leicester. And if if that's the case, then Celtic knew what Brendan Rogers and Chris Davis were doing was right. So why did they take that left turn and go back to Lennon? What do you think, Laura? Well, I, I think. You've got to praise them on one hand for, for recognising the value that Chris David Davis brought to the club and potentially thinking, well, if we can keep him, then then we, we still have some of that benefit. What they are missing there is uh, the fact that I'm sure Chris Davis was as effective because of his own methods as he was because of his relationship with Brendan Rodgers. You can't, you can't split two parts of a machine and expect the machine to operate the same with those individual parts missing. Um, and, and again, that goes back to what Anthony was saying earlier about there seems to be a lack of appreciation at the club about the impact of a manager and how it's about the relationships he has with the players, he has with the staff that is going to provide the effective and the successful methods. It's not just about... Uh, picking this one dream appointment from one place and this one dream appointment from another. When you're appointing a manager, you're appointing a team. You're appointing a you're appointing an infrastructure to to coach this the the players and and the youth teams and all that kind of stuff. These things can't be done in isolation. There has to be a, ma- a marriage of things, and that's why when when people are talking about a director of football for us going forward, I don't think you can say yes. We'll bring in this manager. We'll bring in this new CEO, and we'll bring in this director of football. Those things. I, I, what I would like to happen is for Dominic Mackay to say. I know that I could work with this director of football and this manager and that those two have a good working relationship together. That's how you're going to get the most effective uh, outcome. I think it's it's about not about individuals being good at their jobs. It's about teams of individuals coming together well to communicate, to, to work together, uh, to, to provide the best outcome. Jam. Uh, um, I'm going to. So Celtic believe they're a modern, progressive football club, and the fundamentals of the club are correct. How do we go forward then? How do we move on? Sam, when people say things like fundamentals, you then say, "What does that mean? Fundamentals? What are the fundamentals?" In football management, running a football club is anything else in life. It's about getting decisions right. And you talked about Chris Davis maybe hanging on. So you then say, "Well." Why did, the, why did the manager want to go in the first place? So you, you trace that back and then you find it's because of the interference. So I'm not sure what fundamentals means at the end of the day. And I'm also sympathetic again with the board, I suppose, that we're all saying that, should, that the board should tell us more, tell us more, tell us more. What is it we want them to tell us? And what could they actually tell us? So I think they're in a funny position just now. I don't think you can say very much because if you say something, they're going to undermine the manager just now. I think they're keeping quiet. And my kind of gut feel is that they've really pointed the new guy, the new guy's working behind and Neil's the kind of public face of the football club just now. And all parties are happy for that to be the case. And then once we get to the summer, 
then we'll see what's actually going to be happening. I struggle when people say words that's a bit vague and fundamentals to me is just a wee bit vague. If they say we do X, Y and Z and we do it well, then fair enough. Uh, the recent financials came out the other day in, in, in Celtic for, for whatever else you want to talk about Celtic. They're a very well-run business. A very well-run business. And that's not the issue. The issue is not the business side of things. And a couple of weeks ago, Tony was singing there's only two Peter Lowell's. <laughs> and the Peter Lowell that's the business guy, he gets a big tick. Absolutely fine. But the Peter Lowell that interferes with the football side of things, he gets a big... He shouldn't be doing that. So going forward, if the fundamentals are we appoint either a director of football or a head coach and they have total autonomy over everything, then to me that's a fundamental, that's a way to move forward. You can't have other people interfering in the football division. Once you do that, you undermine the director of football or the head coach or the manager, whatever you're going to call them. Get the structure right, and once you get the structure right, make sure there's very clear division of duties across the place so that we know if things do go pear-shaped, we can know who's to blame for it. Because I think this year, certainly for the first few months of the year, Neil Lennon was the guy to blame. I think the more you go in this season, the more you find out, you think he was, he was severely hampered by certain things. And when I said I was sympathetic, I'm not absolving or blame. I'm just thinking there's other factors in there. So if I want to get the fundamentals right, what are the fundamentals so that I understand what they are? And then we'll move forward. I'll say to Jim, I reckon when I read this, I reckon what they meant with fundamentals is the infrastructure's there and the budget's there. There's stuff already in place. And, for example, you wanted Ralph Raniak to come in and have a look at the place for two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever it was. I reckon there's been somebody from the outside came into the club. This review or this review is getting done with an outside person who's came and had a look at the club. If you if you were um, the manager of Sparta Prague or Slavia Prague or wh- whatever, you would come you would have a look at Celtic and go, you've got a massive fan base, you've got a training centre, you've got all the budget in the world to implement all these modern things. So you've got the fundamentals there to be a progressive football club. What you haven't got is the right people in charge of those of, of those infra- infrastructures. So I'm going to put this to Laura. Do you think Don Mackay's came in and went like that? I know not I know not I know about business, but I don't know about football business. We need to appoint somebody, i.e. a director of football who knows about the business of football. I mean, I hope so. Uh, I said something to that effect a couple of weeks ago on the show that I just felt uh, there are certain elements of Dominic Mackay's skills, if you look at his background in communications and things like that, that would lead you to believe that he understands the the way to structure a, a, a corporate team if you want to put it that way to get the best outcomes and, and if he's if he's taking charge of a, a a corporate entity if you want to talk about Celtic in those terms where a large part of, of the success of that entity is, is football related he's not going to be arrogant enough surely to think that he knows about football having never worked on it previously to my knowledge um, I would I would really really hope that that's exactly the, the thought process that he's going down and that obviously that he's thinking about appointing people with the appropriate skills. I said the same thing about um, about the management of the finances of the club. Like The reason we are so well financially managed is because that is where Peter Lobo's background lies. I would hope that there will be an appointment uh, to deal with the finances in as good a way as they've been dealt with in recent years. And so I hope the same on the football side as well. What do you think, Tony? It's like players having a natural position, isn't it? Dominic Mackay has a natural position and a natural role within the club. The first thing Dominic Mackay could do would be probably not to be heard until such times when he has to. When he's talking about the business side of the club. If he could go out and say, I'm going to leave whoever to do their thing, then you would respect that. You'd be like, that's great. You know, and then that's why he is where he is and he's got the position that he has. That's his area of expertise. And see if he sticks to that, then we'll continue to be a well-run club and let the football guys, as I've continually said, football managers do the football management thing. 
bringing in players and stuff. We don't have to get involved because our finances involved. But all they have to say is the manager identifies players in recruitment and say, we would like him, okay, how much is it going to cost? Right, this is, we'll look him in. Can we get them? Yeah, we can get them. Great. Seems that's what his input is. Then surely that can be harmonious. And I think Dominic Mackay's clever enough to realise that if he starts on that kind of footing, then he'll be off to a flyer with the Celtic supporters right away. I, I think Celtic have got the... He's a football fan, Kevin. Kev. Aye. On Kev. the football fan. The only people... If you're a football fan, the only club you should, that you should know about are uh, the football staff, the manager, the coaching staff. You shouldn't really know who's behind the scenes. Because I'll ask you a question just now because I went to the port the other day. We've actually got a finance director at the club who deals with the finances. Does anyone know who that is? No, I don't. His name's his name is his name is Chris McKay. I don't know if he's a wish to dominate McKay, but he's a finance director who's been there for the last five years. And that's exactly how it should be. You shouldn't have to know who he is. And you shouldn't have to know who, who the chief executive is. You shouldn't have to know that. The reason we do know that because of the interference. That's why we know who he is. I mean, Dominic Mackay should speak when he has to when they're you know, bringing out the figures. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only time you should see Dominic Mackay. And that's the time when you want to see him because you want to know about the business side of the club. But everything else, Correct. you can only know about the football team, the manager, and the players, and the staff. What's that? I'm, I mean, in a nutshell. I'm going to say something yeah. here, and this will maybe sound a bit weird, but you have a look. You have a look at uh, Rumaniga at Bayern Munich. So anytime they go to Bayern Munich for a comment, it's Rumaniga that speaks because that's his role in the club. They think Peter Law sees himself the same at Celtic. Laura, that should be the chairman's show. Sorry, I'm <laughs> um, I, I don't know how you can see it as the same because obviously Roman at, at Bayern Munich has, has a background of having having you know a history with the club that preceded the current position that he's in. So I don't really see how you can see that as as an equivalent. Um, but I certainly think that. The fact that we know so well who he is and that he's he's so willing to front uh, so many public displays as he is um, suggests that there's more of a more of a willingness to be a face of the club than maybe uh, other people in his position are at other clubs. And uh, like like you say, I, I don't think that should be a chief executive's role whatsoever. We should hear from him, as Anthony and Jim have said, once a year uh, when the figures come out and then maybe, uh, you know, say, for example, if the club goes on a run where we only win two out of ten games or something like that. <laughs> I, bet, I bet Peter Law thinks he's a better player than Carl Hines when I go. What made me say that, and, and, and I'll go to Jim just now, what made me say that was because when he was announced he was retiring, the way it was put across, 14 league titles, four four treble trebles, uh, four four trebles and our four trebles, four trebles. Uh, this and that it was it was built and it was put out and you had Scott Brown coming out, you had Neil Lennon coming out praising the success that the clubs under un, had under him. And I'm going, does he see as Celtic's legacy as being a dynasty as all the success in the last since 2003 all been down to him? What do you think, Jim? Question, another question I'll ask you is, if you go back to the 60s and the 70s, who was the only non-football person at Celtic Park you can name? Tony? It was well known. Kevin Kelly. I'll answer the question. So Robert Kelly. Robert Kelly, who was the chairman of the club. Right. Right. So that's a bit younger, Jim. It was Kevin and Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) So... The chairman for me should be the only the chairman the chair would be the public face of the of the club. And we've got a chairman who says nothing all the time. And I think you're right about Peter Lawls thinks that he's the guy that's going to win and go to to Clinton Trade and Trade things like that, of course. Uh, so what was the question, sorry? I, I, I just think that 
He's done a really good job there. And I think, as I said in a previous podcast, if he'd have left in 2008, that was the time to leave. Because for a job that he does, five years is about a kind of typical time. And at that time, we'd massively reduced the debt from somewhere over 30 million to not very much. And we'd just done three in a row. I think if he'd left then, then his legacy would be much, much better than it is just now. And I think all the stuff that you just mentioned there, there's a whole lot of other stuff, which I won't go into again, because I don't want to abuse some people, that he's failed and he's failed miserably at. And I think letting the other manager go, that was a huge mistake, because he signed a four-year contract and he was here for the 10. And I blame Peter Lowell for that happening, for letting him go. I read his leaving statement and all I could hear was simple minds. Don't you forget about me in my head. <laughs> That's basically, it was like... Does, does, anybody, does, does anybody think that he'll actually retire? Does anybody not get, the, not the fear, but the, the impression that he might just take a sideward step and still be this on the committees and... Um, Still, still on the effort committees and stuff like that, Laura. Was there not a suggestion um, with the minutes that were released from the Celtic Trust meeting that, that he certainly is going to keep a hold of his shares in the club? Um, so there's going to be, you know, a lawable influence uh, at the club even after he, he re- retires from the position that he's in. Um, I almost feel as though I hope when he used the word retire it was maybe like I said retiring from the Celtic position I think the best thing for the club would be if he took up a similar position at a completely different club and he didn't have the time or the inclination to to continue to to you know possibly meddle in things the way you're saying about being on committees or, or remaining on the board in some fashion even in an honorary position I would like to see him you know appointed to one of these maybe UEFA roles or, or, or a role at a big club down in England so as that you know his plate's too full to deal with us. It sounds like a terrible thing to say for a guy who has, let's face it, he has done a lot of good for the club, but all we're saying is the good is now being outweighed by some of the bad and, and, and we need a clean break. I wouldn't mind him having a still on a voice for Celtic in the UEFA sense, the European sense, because he was a big hitter for Celtic in terms of UEFA and European football, you know, and he's, he's voice, that's one of the things that Jim alluded to that he did well. He made people sit up and listen and, and, and respect Celtic's voice at the top table. You know, and he fought hard for us, you know, the, the Champions League route and all that. You know, they were willing to scrap that and just, you know, throw Celtic to to the wolves, you know. And, but he fought and said, no, we need this. You know, so I, I, I'll give Lowell his due on that. Things like that, I think he still could have a, a valuable input to Celtic in terms of their European stature. As you say, is Europe being a aim? I think he get a, he's still a big player, and, and those people you can get him to represent the club in that way in the European setting. And I, I don't think that necessarily would be a bad thing for us because, as I say, he's, he's a well-respected figure in those terms. It's, it's quite weird. Then I mean, I think he's been I think he's been about too long. Um, the worst decision was what cost us ten in the role was the is the meddling and it caused Rogers to leave and the appointment of Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon was never going to fit with the way that the club had had been structured. Now, I've been quite positive the last couple of days because I reckon that we're going to get the next appointment right. I think the club have actually got the the head on and they are going to get it right and they're looking they're looking forward. Maybe I'm just being that browbeaten now that I'm, that I'm actually wishing wishing that is going to happen. I believe that there's a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and I, I want to believe it. I believe that I'm going to get my discount on my season book next season and I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's after, after I say that on Monday Live, I'll let everybody know this, my daughter went off her head at me gone, what do you mean I'm not getting a season book next year? <laughs> 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 yeah, so so I, I think the club will, reading the minutes of the trust meeting as well, I think the club realise that they've got to do something as well. So I'm extremely hopeful now that the change that we want is going to happen. Are you there, are, there are, sorry to jump in there, Kim, but there are aspects of, of, of Dominic Mackay's role that can transfer to financial things. Like, you know, he was the one that brought in, as I've said before, the, the cheaper 
tickets for kids at the rugby. Um, you know, I, I, I could see a situation where he thinks it's good for relations with the fans to offer a, a, a reduced season ticket next season based on the fact that we might not be at games, um, an opportunity to offer cheaper se- uh, season tickets or one-off match tickets to, to kids and concessions of other kinds. You know, there, there's ways in which financially he can have an impact that is based upon the skills that he has. So I, I still think that there's, uh, while, I, while I don't share your optimism that it's a, a, a certainty, I, I think I think there's there's more chance of it happening, say, for example, than if, if Peter Lobo's still in charge next season. Look, my medication's kicked in. What else can I say? Apathy. <laughs> 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 you mentioned apathy before we came on there, Laura. And yeah. I, I noticed this week when the Celtic shared... Twitter feed and they started producing those videos. They were it was met with a shrug of the shoulders. And mm-hmm. that's a kind of we have a vast uh, with a wave of support. It was met with a shrug and maybe we'll go, well, it's a wee bit too late. I feel it's a wee bit too late. I feel that some United fan group should have been done five years ago rather than on the back of a horrendous season where it can just when it, to an outsider looking in, it actually looks like ah, he's just moaning because he's having to win the league. So I, I can see where that's coming from. But you read, a, or did you hear a podcast regarding Napoli with the Celtic support and you wanted to answer it? Yeah, no, it was um, Hamish over at 67 Hail Hail does some great videos on YouTube and uh, some of them are interviews and that kind of thing. But he, he was doing one where he was addressing the camera himself and he was talking about how this season he's been overtaken by an apathy. He spends a lot of the matches, you know, scrolling his phone and that kind of thing. And um, uh, he talked a bit about, you know, the like you said, the the kind of divide that's happening in the support about people who have season tickets and people who don't. And I just felt a little bit like... um I'm not telling anybody how to support their club. I wouldn't do that. that I, but from my point of view, just talking about me specifically, I... I I don't have an apathy when it comes to the Celtic games. I, I'll still look forward to them. I still watch them. I still hope that, you know, this game is the next game that we see a, a Kieran Tierney 40-yard screamer against um, Kilmarnock or or this cup final is the one we have another Rodgers moment or something like that. that. That optimism never leaves me. And as for the season tickets... Um, I think I think there needs to be a bit more harmony between uh, fans who... Um, have have a season ticket and those who don't. I had a season ticket for ten years and circumstances dictated work circumstances. I was working away from Glasgow. Um family circumstances meant that I had to give that up. I don't feel like I'm less of a supporter now for not having that. Um I don't feel like I was more of a supporter for the fact that I had it before. Um and, and also you get these these supporters who uh, have that attitude that you're a better supporter if you're a season ticket holder while at the same time um, praising the, the work that the Kano Foundation do. And that, to me, there's a bit of a inconsistency there because the Kano Foundation are providing season tickets for kids who otherwise wouldn't be able to attend the games because they can't afford it. Are we saying that... Are those same people saying that those kids are less... Celtic supporters than they would be if they didn't get to the game with the Kano Foundation. So it's a it, it's all a mishmash, and I, and I appreciate everybody approaches their support of the club very very differently. But I just felt like there was a bit of an answer there for me that my apathy is towards the board. It's towards the way the club is managed overall. It is never towards the team on the pitch. I want them to be better, but I never. I never feel an apathy for taking in a Celtic game. I, I'm on the waiting list for a season ticket next season. I joined that before. You know, anybody who says, oh, you're only joining because you want to see 10 in a row. I joined at the start of this season, not knowing it was going to go the way it went. So my, my anticipation was that if I manage to get a season ticket next season, because my circumstances now allow it more, I'll be back. You know, regardless of who the manager is, regardless of who the CEO is, because I was a Celtic supporter before Peter Lowell was in charge. I was a Celtic supporter before Neil Lennon was in charge, and I will be long after. Uh, uh, See these arguments about who's the best fan. (laughs) (laughs) See these arguments about who the best fans are. It's completely spurious. If you're a football fan, it's about emotion and passion and obsession and all that kind of stuff. 
I think everyone feels all that kind of stuff. Some people might make a bigger financial commitment. Some people might make a bigger time commitment. That's all that is. Because you could be sitting in South Africa and you'd be emotionally involved. You're obsessed. You don't go to the games, but you're still as emotionally obsessed with Celtic Football Club as the person who's going to every single game. They just make a bigger financial commitment, a bigger time commitment. That's all that is. There's no such thing as a lesser or a more Celtic supporter. Yeah. In your DNA, yeah. if you're a Celtic supporter, it's in your DNA. That's it. End of. You support the club. Doesn't matter what way you do it. As Jim says, it might be financial, but it's that emotional investment that you have. Can't put a price on an emotional investment. Your emotional investment's for life once you pick your team. And if you're a Celtic supporter, it doesn't matter if you come from South Africa or the Garden Gad, you're a Celtic supporter. End of. It's took me 40 years to actually realise the difference between emotional support and financial support. And I think a lot of people think it goes hand in hand. And I says on Monday that my relationship with Celtic emotionally is different with my relationship with Celtic the PLC. Uh, Celtic the PLC, I'll treat as I'll treat any other service provider. The emotion felt at the team on the pitch, my supporters club, you guys here, the guys in the chat, everybody is completely different to me. That's a different side of Celtic. It will never leave me emotionally. But the club treat me as a, a number. The club treat me as a commodity. And they try to force me to do things like your season ticket and stuff like that. Now, Laura's on the waiting list. And when I say on Monday, unless the club supported me for my support this season I could have maybe worded it a better could have maybe worded it a better way but when, when I says that people went well Sunday on the waiting list they'll just take your season book and I'm like well that just proves my point I'm a commodity I'm nothing but a number to them and the Celtics Celtic have got to make the worldwide support those who can't afford a season ticket or those whose circumstances are such that they're in Thailand or wherever they are, they can actually buy an annual membership to feel part of the club as well. And the club have got to look at something like that. If somebody wants to make that emotional financial investment as well, I no longer feel I need to make a financial investment in Celtic to be emotionally attached to them. What do you think about that, Laura? Yeah, I would say so. My 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 granddad used to always say you don't have to wear the colours to to love the team, and that's. Actually, to the club in ways other than just um, maybe if I, I don't have a season ticket, I'll go to games when I can. Um, I do buy some of the merchandise, especially the stuff that some of it's going to to charity and that kind of thing, because that to me is is what the club's about. I, I just I just feel like if you tell me you're a Celtic supporter, I believe you. I don't I don't need proof. I don't need a collection of programmes or a collection of tickets. I don't need a a, a rack of, of retro shirts or whatever. You're a Celtic supporter because you want Celtic to do better and that to me is the, the top and bottom of it. <laughs> Jim, what about yourself? Uh, this will be a shameless plug here but I wrote a play called Benderley Bratback and uh, there's, uh, there's, there's one line in it which kind of sums things up for me uh, is you don't know flies crap because Celtic are crap right <laughs> and that kind of sums up for me because I can go and watch I, I, I sometimes go watch Paul Juniors and, uh, and I, when I, I can hope they win but if they lose am I that bothered no really Celtic lose, I'm completely pissed off until the next game. And that's, to me, how you tell whether you, you're emotionally involved. You don't have to be physically at the game, travel to Rose County, buy a season ticket, buy the U-top. That stuff doesn't really matter. It's how you actually feel. And for most Celtic fans, for the past year, life is crap because Celtic are crap. It's that easy. It is that easy. Another yeah. thing I'm going to say this week, uh, an interesting fact this week, I'll give you one last week, I'll give you another one. A lot of the things about this season you have to look at within the context of other seasons. Now we've, got, we've got nine games to go. Uh, you said, Kevin, this season is horrendous. Declan yesterday said it's hellish. 
and I think most Celtic fans would feel the same, that if we were to lose three of the last nine games, it would be even more hellish. We would have the same points as Roger's second season, 82 points. And that was a great season. If we were to draw two of the last nine games, we would match the points of the treble-treble season. And that was a great season. And this is about context. And even if we were on the ball this season, because what's happening with the other team across the city, I'm not so sure it would have been anywhere near them. And it's their form that's making us a crap season. In addition to us, obviously. But that's the major factor. Because if we'd have put 82 points on the board this year, or 87 points on the board this year, any other season, chances I would have won the league. But we're miles off it. And I was looking back to the invincible season. We were, we were 39 points ahead of the team across the city. 39 points. So do you think, oh, here we go, in my parallel universe, and this, this is right up my street, this one, eh? I reckon it was written in the stars that we were never going to day 10, just for the reasons that I reckon it was always there, that doesn't matter what we were doing this season, the makeup of the, the higher power who follows your football club has decided that we didn't win 10. And for me, that means that there's something better in the corner. What do you think? Well, I've just been too, I've been too happy there, eh? <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure you've taken your medication after, after that, that statement. That, that, that medication's kicked back out. So, who's the higher power, Kevin? Who's the higher power that's going on Celtic? Your higher power is whatever your higher power wants to be. I can take any form that you want. It's Peter Lobo sitting on a fake cloud with a with a fake beard. I uh, uh, remonstrating with Carol Hines Rumenegger. <laughs> I mean, you have you have got a point there, Jim. The, 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 the Rangers form has been absolutely fantastic. They're doing well in Europe as well. Every, everything is just went right for them. Where we can look at us and say everything's just went wrong. But as you say, in context, it's a, it's not a horrendous season. We just use, we just use those sort of words, horrendous and stuff like that. And it's not really, as I say on Monday, this is not the 90s. We're no battling for the soul of Celtic. It's no, no when you got involved, Jim, we save ourselves in that. Eh? It's a million miles away from the 90s. I mean, as I say, we put that report out the other day. Uh, in the current circumstances, to, to, to have the financial results we had, was fantastic. I mean, I think when the podcast were accused a lot of times of being quite negative, I think they've done extremely well. Uh, and they're completely different beast to what it was in the early 90s. The early 90s, we had a board full of people who didn't know what they were doing. And there was a huge iceberg ahead where the club could quite easily went bust. And we're nowhere near that, just nowhere near that. The issue that we have is going back to those kind of fundamentals. I think also just to kind of add, is it, is it words are cheap? You know, I think the Celtic board could have made that statement Ten years ago, and we've done nothing in Europe in the last mm-hmm. ten years. So what's are cheap. Let's see what happens next. Yeah, we've got we've got a game at the weekend. Obviously, we have. Uh, yes, we have. <laughs> call, call, call yourself a Celtic fan, Mister Haggerty. Call yourself a Celtic fan, and you don't. Are you not going to the game? No, you're not going. <laughs> I'm going to commentary box. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're playing you Ross County. I'm a Celtic fan. Is that is it you accusing me of being Ross County? You're a Celtic fan, Haggerty. As somebody says in the comments, unless you can name the Lisbon Lions, you're not a Celtic fan. Well, <laughs> there you go. So we play Ross County on Sunday night. No, I heard Declan talking yesterday. I mean, if that would have been a normal game with fans here on a Sunday night, it would, there would have been some sights in Dingwall. Uh, they probably Dingwall probably wouldn't have seen sights like that since the Highland clearances. Uh, <laughs> there would have been the songbook would have been unbelievable. <laughs> you would have you would have had songs coming out there on on a Sunday night at seven o'clock that you've probably haven't heard since the uh, early eighties, uh, but. There's no fans there. We're going to Dingwall on a Sunday night. What do you think is going to happen, Laura? Um, I hope we can... At this point, all you can hope for is that we continue the run. Um, 
Ross County was a, a bit of a, you know, flashpoint in our season for obvious reasons. Uh, one of the last times that we played them. So all I'm hoping for is uh, more of the same, more of, more of David Turnbull and Odson Edward showing us why uh, why they're so lauded at the club. Um, and just to keep building the momentum, because at this point, all we can do is try and chip away at uh, the gap that's there and, and hope for the best. Tony, what do you think? Well, I'm going to sit back in my favourite armchair and enjoy it for a start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a bit like Laura said, you just, all, all we can do is run between now and the end of the season. And that's what you want to, to do, you know, and including the two Rangers games. If we can just build some kind of momentum, give us hope and optimism moving forward and just seeing Turnbull continue to sparkle as a footballer. Because he really has been a, a shining light since he came into the team. And we're all and we're clinging to that, and we're all enjoying watching them. And the likes of Sorrow as well coming back in and doing well. You know, these guys are the future of our club, so we just want to see them continue to do well. And Welsh as well. I, I'll make a point in Welsh as well. John, yourself. Hey, past two weekends, I've said two one. So uh, I think we'll do a bit better this weekend. One three nothing. Three nothing. Your prediction, Laura. Uh, I'll I'll go with Jim in this one. I'd be quite happy with a three nothing. Tony, treble treble of three nothings. Who's Hamilton playing the more of Tony? Who you coming? Who, who you coming Easter Road. Wow, have you got I your notes? All, you got your notes. Brian Rice's team looking to extend the unbeaten run to four. That's all there. It's all there. Right. Keep, that, keep that for a Hamilton state of mind, Tony. <laughs> I think that's a completely different thing. <laughs> well, I just want to thank everybody. I just want to thank everybody for being on, on the, the podcast today. Uh, I'm sorry I haven't put up any of the comments, but because I can't control the comments, uh, it's Amy. It's, uh, Amy in the studio who's controlling the comments today. No, sorry, it's Kelly in the studio that's controlling the comments today. Oh wow, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a, a, a room for that. <laughs> uh, you had John you had you, you had John Kennedy yesterday in the day, you've had me standing in like uh, Gavin Stratton for Paul. So thanks everybody for joining in and I'll see you on Sunday for the game. Hail hail everybody. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.